Hello, hello. Welcome to Twin Flame Transformation Season 2. My name is Michelle and I will be your host and guide. On today's podcast, I want to talk about sacred relationships and how it relates to Twin Flames. Now, even as I say that out loud, I hear myself and I hear how it sounds like such an obvious and simple topic. But stick with me because the cells in your body may find it helpful to hear. So I invite you to drop into your body as you listen to this. Let your cells in your body receive this information. And as always, please only take what resonates for you. This may not resonate for you, and I honor that completely. Also, please stay to the end so you can hear another Twin Flames experience of their journey. And then you can also learn how you can send in your own story. Okay, let's begin. So what is a sacred relationship? Now, I'm guessing just by hearing that title, that those words, you've got an idea about what that means to you, right? So according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the definition of sacred is dedicated or set apart for the service or worship of a deity, right? Devoted to service. And other synonyms that were listed were divine, holy, reverent, respectful, profane, and spiritual. I mean, I can feel that sacred vibration in my body even as I read those words. And I also feel that we can't bring in the sacred without bringing in the word love, right? To me, and my guides remind me, love is sacred. They're one and the same. And however, as you know, love has taken on different meanings and behaviors here on our earth plane. And the word, the word love is often associated with behaviors that aren't sacred. So let's look at love. What is love? Well, we first learn what love is through our parents or parent or our caretakers, right? Whoever raised us. And most of us either heard them say, I love you, or this love was implied. Or we had an experience of knowing that that wasn't love, right? Because most of us also experience non-loving behaviors. I would say most people have. And most of our own parents or caretakers didn't get their needs met. And so these unhealthy patterns were handed down to us. And therefore, our needs around love weren't fully met, right? Most of us grew up with a deficit of unconditional love and safety. Now, I'm not placing any blame, but I do want to point out how this is handed down generation after generation until someone breaks the pattern. And although our minds may rationalize and analyze these unhealthy behaviors from our parents or caretakers and our experiences and say, oh, no, no, I'm fine. My parents were just doing the best they could. I'm fine. Right. And I get it. I used to say that. Right. And of course, that's true. They were. But there's something else that is true and that also needs to be acknowledged. And that is our cells knew what wholeness should feel like. And they knew on some level that there was some love missing, right? Something wasn't sacred in our experience. And so what most people do when they grow up is they find a partner that will give them the love they need and didn't get growing up, right? Whether it's conscious or not, because your cells are always looking to find wholeness. That's their job. So they will guide you to recreate a pattern, a similar pattern to your upbringing with the hopes that it will be resolved and healed, right? And wholeness will be restored. So usually a, 
and quite often, a person will marry someone who is like one of their parents, right? This isn't literal, but underneath you'll find the energy of one of the parents. You may have heard people say, or you may have said, I married my dad or I married my mom. And as a therapist once said, parent and partner contain all the same letters, just in a different order. And I want to add the word pattern to this list. I find it interesting that pattern also contains the same letters as parent and partner. So people who are fortunate enough to experience unconditional love from their parents, their cells are fulfilled and they will attract that same dynamic. And they're the ones that get into loving and healthy marriages and relationships. So I'm going to share my personal experience around these patterns because it's another viewpoint of quote unquote, marrying your parents. <laughs> I'm just going to give the general broad strokes version of my sort of situation. So I never got married, right? My dad was absent in all ways, physically, emotionally, mentally. And I didn't want to recreate a relationship like I had with my mom. So I would say I recreated the pattern with my dad, right? I married my dad, an absent person. I never got married. I was always trying to partner up with unavailable men. So I'm still recreating my family dynamic. And here's the thing I learned. What I was doing unconsciously is if I could get an unavailable man to love me, then that would heal the father wound in me. And then I wouldn't have to feel the loss of my father, right? I would prove to myself and myself that I am lovable. It would prove if an unavailable man loved me, it would prove that I could still be loved and that someone who was unavailable would become available to me because they loved me so much because I was worth that. And it would prove that my father's absence had nothing to do with me. It was truly my father who was in the wrong. Now, the thing is, what's true is there was nothing wrong with me and I was and I am lovable. But children always, always, always think it's their fault. The world revolves around them. But here's an even bigger thing. As children, we don't want to see that perhaps our parents did anything wrong. And why? Because then this would negate and defy what we believe love is. We don't want to believe in any way, shape, or form that they didn't love us. That would be the greatest pain to feel. Because here's the thing, it's too hard of a concept as children to separate love from unloving behaviors. And I believe this is why so many of us struggle to define what love is. I mean, one of the hardest things for me to do was to really believe that my dad truly abandoned me. It, honestly, it wasn't only until recently that I actually sat with that. It was too painful. I didn't want to believe that he never came back for me because I knew him up until I was like two and a half. I didn't want to believe that he didn't come save me from my mom, you know, even though he knew her limitations. I didn't want to believe that, right? Too, too painful. It was easier from my child's point of view to believe that it was my fault, that I must have done something wrong, that I must be unlovable because surely he must love me, right? It must be me. That was the lesser of the two greatest pains. And then as I got older, I could rationalize that he just did what he knew to do and he didn't love himself and a ton of other excuses, which are true as well. So if he was just doing the best he knew given his life and I am lovable, then where does love live in all of this? My rational mind couldn't make sense of this because it was operating in a body where there was a deficit of love. 
So I would continue to recreate the scenario of unavailable partners over and over until I finally filled my cells up with self-love. And why? Because my cells are always trying to find wholeness. And wholeness needs truth. And the truth can be hard to see. I didn't really start to heal until I became honest with myself, until I was strong enough to see the truth and admit the truth. This was a turning point, but also one of the hardest things to do. I remember going to a therapist in my 20s who pointed out the truth of my situation. I never went back to her. I didn't want to see it. I didn't believe her. It was too painful. It took me another 20 years to finally start to recognize the unhealthy patterns as they kept repeating themselves over and over and over. And until I could hold both truths, one, I could realize and understand that my parents loved me to the extent that they were able to, to the extent that they knew how to love. And two, that I was lovable. And yet I was operating in a deficit of love. My cells needed love. They needed to fill in the holes that were missing. And all of this does not mean that I'm not worthy, lovable, and deserving of love. Or that my parents didn't love me. But my cells and my body knew and my soul knew. That love, that the love I experienced felt incomplete. It wasn't sacred love. My body was seeking wholeness, and this is why the love I was getting never felt like enough. And my cells and my younger child self needed sacred love, just as you do. Because at your soul level, you have it. You know it, and you know where it is missing. All of your cells need love from where it was missing. And until we learn to give the sacred love to ourselves, we will always look for it, from our parents, our partners, and recreate the patterns. So now let's talk about twin flames. Whereas most partners we attract into our lives will reflect the patterns of one of our parents, our twin flame will not only reflect both parents, but will also reflect back to us every trigger we carry in our body. And why? Because we recognize the sacred love hidden under their human body. We recognize the sacred love and wholeness we are seeking within ourselves. We recognize the full extent of what we are missing. Because they are reflecting back the exact vibration that our cells are seeking to fulfill, the vibration of our own soul, the vibration of wholeness and enlightenment, that's powerful, right? We want that. However, that vibration is also highlighting all the places where that sacred love has been and is still absent. And yet, because that connection to them is so strong and our cells are wanting wholeness, we think being with them is the answer. And I think this is so important to realize and see the extent of what we are dealing with. To understand why, with a true twin flame, harmonious and lasting physical union only happens when there is enlightenment and massive healing. Your cells recognize your twin flame soul. Their soul's sacred energy and vibration is the most familiar resonance of anyone you can meet. Now let's, let's just pause for a minute. Think about this and think about pure consciousness. Without the density of a human body attached or any karma attached, the vibration of just the soul, the pure consciousness, that sacred love, that contains a very high resonance. Imagine two of the same soul resonances coming together. Imagine, feel in your body how powerful that would be, right? It's the wholeness you seek times two, <laughs> right? So if your cells are seeking wholeness, the twin flame connection mirrors back not only what you are seeking, but all the places where there has been unhealthy patterns and wounding. 
that is some powerful energy coming at us in all ways, in all directions, in all vibrations. And yet here's the thing. We can't spiritually bypass our healing and we can't expect our twin flame to save us, right? We can't just live in our top chakra, right? We can't just live in all the higher vibrations. This is a planet of polarities. We have got to look and hold both the light and the dark. And we've got to look at primarily our lower three as divine feminine, right? We have to heal. We want to heal. We don't have to do anything, right? We're invited to heal all the traumas and wounding and karma we have in our bodies and energy fields. And if we are in union with our twin flame, before we have given that sacred love to ourselves, we will end up just recreating our traumas and patterns from our parents. Unlike other romantic relationships, our twin flame can't hold space for us in the way we need or want or we see in the world with other relationships because we are also triggering all of their stuff. Yet on some cellular level, because of the beliefs we have been handed down around love, we are expecting them to heal us. If they would heal us, then we wouldn't have to feel all the abandonment wounds in our body. And as we know, the behaviors we learned from our parents doesn't mean they didn't love us. They just loved us in the only way they knew how. And your twin flame right now is only doing the only thing they know to do, right? But now that we've met our twin flame and we experience that hit of sacred love, we have a chance to heal all those unloving behaviors we experienced in our life. We have a chance to turn the sacred love we feel for them on ourselves. Rather than partnering up and recreating the patterns from our parents, which most relationships do, and a lot of them heal them, right? We get to experience the twin flame journey as a divine guide to sacred love. Because we experience twin flame separation, we have the opportunity to reparent ourselves and show them what sacred love really looks like and feels like. And by doing this, we get to create a sacred relationship with ourselves. I hope this helps you see why separation is part of the twin flame journey. And that's ultimately not about physical union with your twin flame. As hard as that can be to hear. I know. I understand. And that's an entirely another layer of grief that can be triggered and is triggered. And that is an opportunity to look at and hold. So if you get triggered right now by hearing that, I know there was a time in my life when I just couldn't even imagine that, right? I invite you to just pause, breathe, be with your body and be with yourselves. Let them know you're right there with them. Because here's the thing, when you get to experience that sacred love within yourself or even glimpse of what that feels like, then you experience what union feels like. And I will tell you, it is unbelievable. It is so blissful. It is so worth continuing on and going through the pain. Because ultimately, that's what we're struggling with is feeling these unfeelable feelings. And we're clearing and transmuting them for our families, generations, for ourselves. And ultimately, it, it, it shifts the vibration of people around us. The crazy thing is, and I remember, I remember saying, this is so unfair, but the crazy thing is when your cells have achieved this wholeness, you won't feel the need to recreate it with your twin flame unless 
they have achieved sacred union with themselves. Now, if you achieve sacred relationship with yourself, you're already in union with, with their soul, right? And life becomes a sacred relationship. That's all we're really after anyway, the feeling of the sacred and the feeling of love. Because there's plenty of people to play with and go through life with. When your cells find that wholeness, life is whole. It's reflected back as within, so without. And your cells will bring and resonate the people into your life who resonate at that sacred level. And when you reach enlightenment, which is my wish for everyone who wants it, and your twin flame reaches enlightenment, and you choose to be in physical sacred union together, then sacred sexuality becomes a sacred act emerging and a sacred devotion and relationship with the divine. Merging with the divine is actually the sacred relationship we're all after. On that beautiful note and resonance, I will say that I hope this has been helpful. As always, only take what resonates for you. And if there were any triggers, I invite you to just observe them, hold them, and love them. And remember that all of us are on our own unique journey. As we, as we get to experience when we listen to the Twin Flame share their experiences at the end of the podcast. And I would love to hear your experience. So if you want to share your Twin Flame experience so far, send me either a voice recording five to ten minutes long, or, and this is new, an email, and I will read it to further protect your anonymity. And this week, for example, I will be reading the Twin Flame share as uh, add a layer of privacy. So this is a new way that has been brought to me to share the stories. And so I hope this may allow more people to send their stories in because I've received emails wanting to share their stories. Um, but there is this, this concern about the anonymity. So hopefully this will help. So and I'm happy to read your story for you. So please send me if you feel called to do so your twin flame share a voice recording or an email to twinflametransformation11 at gmail.com. And I also want to add that this is just a sharing of your journey from where it is right now. Life is constantly changing and this doesn't mean you can't share again in the future as your journey evolves, right? This share isn't the final chapter. This is just right now. And I guarantee you that as you share, there's someone out there who will be so grateful to hear an experience that resonates with them. This has already been happening, right? So I've already received some emails from listeners where they would love to connect or they found resonance with someone who shared a twin flame story. So I am working on a social media platform where you all can connect with each other. And I should have that info solidified by the next podcast. I'm now going to read our next Twin Flame share. Please enjoy this powerful, beautiful, and profound Twin Flame share. Like me, you may not have heard many stories from Twin Flames who are non-monogamous. Being in an open marriage, ethically non-monogamous, polyamorous, and a twin, I often feel alone. There is very little in the twin flame community that one, doesn't assume twins are monogamous, and two, doesn't assume that union with your twin flame 
is defined as being in a romantic relationship together for all time. I hear a lot about how meeting your twin ruined you for others for all time. Not so for me. On the contrary, my twin flame opened me up to love and helped me rediscover my polyamorous side, in fact. For me, being in an open marriage is about reclaiming my sovereignty. Being ethically non-monogamous is about reclaiming my sexuality. And being polyamorous is about being truly and wholly embodied and grounded in love. In the spring of 2019, 17 years into my monogamous relationship with the man I eventually married, I developed an undeniable, unshakable, alarming, and ultimately life-altering attraction to a fellow married parent in our school community. I couldn't get a handle on what was happening, why he acted so familiar with me when we'd see each other. Even though to this day we've never so much as shaken or brushed hands, and he's never said an inappropriate word to me, he gave me those beautiful, fiery, hazel eyes that rocked me to my core. I thought, this guy's not a cheater. Could he be in an open marriage? That was it. I was activated. Not just activated to be with my twin, but to open up to love and sexuality in an expansive way, to be polyamorous. But I loved my husband. Do people do marriage like that? Could I do marriage like that? In December 2019, I sent my twin a series of texts, informing him that my husband and I had opened our marriage over the summer. When I'd spent any time at all reflecting on my married twin's behavior toward me, I'd speculate endlessly as to whether he and his wife were ethically non-monogamous. When I finally disclosed my marital situation over text that day, his silence told me that of course my husband was right. Like 95% of the population, my twin wasn't also in an open marriage. And of course, I just unintentionally set in motion the beginning of our ongoing separation. Shortly after that, his wife contacted me and requested I meet her in person to discuss my texting transgression, which we did one morning outside a local cafe. I acknowledged that it must have been hard to contact me, to which she said it was her immediate instinct to reach out to me after, her words, I, quote, propositioned her husband, unquote. That's all it took to understand that there was more than one reality happening in that conversation. So I gave her my truth as best I could while respecting the boundaries she'd firmly erected and accepting her denial of what my most basic instincts and intuition told me to be true, that she and her husband were happily complicit, consciously or otherwise, in denying any weirdness between us, any lust or missteps on his part. I told her my intention was to stay away from her husband, and I have. It's easier now that he's moved across the country to the town where I got married, the town I named my daughter after, the town I call my spiritual homeland, the town that will soothe his half of our soul, just as it's always done mine. And of course, this was barely a month before I knew he was my twin flame or what a twin flame even was. 
I just knew we were basically the same person, but in different bodies and different sexes. Closing out that series of texts to my twin, I'd said I hoped he and his wife could talk because, I quote, sensed he and I were a lot alike, end of quote. By this, I meant that I understood he loved his wife and wanted his life, that, like me, he also wanted something else, something additional, and that we both believed loving one person doesn't cancel out loving another, that we're all individually valuable, lovable, and worthy, and that love is not scarce but abundant. Heck, he's the one who showed me how love is not finite, conditionally given or received. Yet even as he clings to these societal norms that keep us codependent, he's shown me how to be free. Alan Watts has said, quote, The most awkward course from the falling in love is between people who are already married to someone else. And this, this fantastically mad experience is denied, swept under the rug and strangled. What should one do? You can work very hard to keep a marriage together, and as you do so, you may fail to recognize you see that you are being untrue to your own emotions. And you think, well, I must control my emotions for the sake of children, for the sake of society, for the sake of everything. And you go through the pretenses of love, but the more you work it, the more you are building up promises and expectations for something that you are probably not going to come through with at the level of deep feeling. And everyone is well aware that it is a hintergedacht. There you know it in the back of your mind. And so you build yourself increasingly into a wall-to-wall -wall trap. End of quote. <laughs>